My name's Nigel. If you don't know me, I'm part of the team here at Woody's, and I'm doing the Easter Sunday talk. All right, all right. Thank you very much. I appreciate the whoops. I need all the whoops I can get. You're allowed to whoop on Easter Sunday. If you get excited, if you get moved by the Spirit, if you're feeling it, you're allowed to do that. I just had a certain senior pastor in the church just say, be really good tonight, okay? So I feel really encouraged by that. No pressure at all. Um, yeah, full of it. So um, off we go. Um, right then, um, what we're going to do, we're going to actually do a Bible reading straight away. This is from Matthew, and I'm using uh, Rachel Riddle's PowerPoint. So I'm just giving credit where credit is due. Uh, she did a brilliant speech this morning, speech, preach this morning. And um, I thought it was so good, I'm just going to steal her PowerPoint. So um, let's read this. This is the, the account of the resurrection in the Gospel of Matthew. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, sorry, they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Amen. I'm fired. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, crikey. Right, this is happening. All right, now, I don't know about you, how many people really understand the whole resurrection thing that's going on and and understand it? Because a lot of people, including myself, find it a bit confusing, a bit complicated. For example, last Sunday in our family service, we were celebrating that Jesus was riding on a donkey. And then we came back to church this Sunday to celebrate he was alive. And loads of kids are like, yeah, I know he's alive. He was on a donkey last week, and now he's alive. What, what's the big deal? And it can be a bit confusing when we talk about Jesus being alive, because we're like, okay, so he's alive. Uh, he came back from being killed. He, he prayed for some people who were dead, and they came back as well. But then we realize, oh, it's not quite that straightforward. It's not just a sort of coming back to life to die again, but Jesus was resurrected. This is a huge word. This is a term that means actually at the end of time, when everything that we're living in at the moment wraps up, there'll be judgment. And those who are judged, the living will be resurrected and the dead won't be. And then the living will then go and live in the new heaven and new earth. So the Jewish people believed in the resurrection. Most of them did. The Sadducees didn't. That the resurrection would happen one day. This is the conversation you hear with, with Mary and Martha as Jesus is talking before he raises Lazarus. They understand that the resurrection will happen. The only thing they weren't expecting was that the resurrection then happened with Jesus. That shouldn't have happened yet. That was a long way away. <laughs> Somehow Jesus has been resurrected. He's come back. He's alive, but he's not in the normal alive. 
It looks like him, but not like him. He has a different body. It's not a normal body. It's a resurrection body to live in the new heaven and new earth. And yet he's in it now. There's something kind of a bit strange about that. And then he can disappear, walk through walls, do stuff and be a bit mysterious. People kind of didn't recognize him and then they did recognize him. Something very strange around the resurrection that at times is hard to get our heads around. So what I'm going to do is I want to talk to you about what it means by talking about having a king, a new king. In fact, we have got a new king, and there's a little slide of our new king who is currently a king, but he's going to be coronated on the 6th of May. That is King Charles III. There he is. All right, King Charles. We have a new king, everyone. In fact, we haven't had a king since 1952. And the coronation that's going to be happening is the formal bit where he kind of takes on his kingship. He's already king, but there's going to be an investiture, something where he sort of happens. And it means that he will be formally the monarch with royal powers. He'll sit on a throne. He'll be given a crown. He'll have a big stick. He'll make promises. He'll um, be anointed and various things going on. That is what's going to be happening for our King Charles next month. Now, his kingdom not just the UK, but the Commonwealth, about 14 countries. The people that he'll be ruling over will be about 150 million people. And the powers, he doesn't actually have any powers. (laughs) Uh, We have a constitutional monarchy. So what that means is basically doesn't do much. Um, He's allowed to have a chat with the prime minister when he wants. Uh, But he does have this. He retains the right to claim ownership of any unmarked mute swan swimming in open waters. That's his. Uh, Another one, he can claim dominion over all whales, sturgeons and dolphins in the waters around England and Wales. He doesn't need a passport to travel abroad and he doesn't need a driving licence. So there are some perks to the job of being king. So um, why is that important? Well, I want to talk about King Jesus tonight. And the way I'm going to do that, I want to talk about probably the most famous king in the story of Israel, which is King David. This is the guy, when he was young, he killed Goliath and um, went on to become king of Israel. And again, for the people of Israel, King David was the dude. He was like the best there's ever been. Everything was referenced back to King David. And King David ruled a kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the promised land that was given to God's people. The people of God, Israel, were the people that he ruled. And along with that, he fought enemies, mainly the Philistines, the baddies, or anyone that was trying to fight Israel, he'd fight them. And he was very good, he was a warrior, and he fought and he won a lot and subdued everyone around him. He was a brilliant king, people loved him. He established a throne, and in fact, he wanted to build a temple for God, somewhere where God would live and dwell. And at the end of his life, God said, no, actually, it's not going to be like that. Your son is going to build a temple, but there will be a throne. Your throne will last forever. There will be someone sitting on the throne of David forever and ever. Actually, God was promising something to David, that one of his descendants, Jesus, would reign on the throne of David forever and ever. The only sort of messy problem with all of this, it was great with King David, but it soon went bad for Israel. And things didn't work out well. In fact, they ended up getting kicked out, being exiled. And we read about this in the Old Testament. This story of God, all these promises that God made to Israel kind of all went wrong. And one of the big issues was this. God wanted Israel, his chosen people, to be a witness, a light into the world that salvation coming from God can go into the world. The only problem was... Israel got all messed up. And actually, Israel themselves needed saving. (laughs) 
who were supposed to be the rescue plan, and then they needed rescuing. It's like the lifeboat that went out and then broke down. Oh no, what are we going to do? And that, in many ways, frames a bit of how we understand Jesus arriving to fulfill something that God said, I'm going to send my servant. I'm going to send someone, the Messiah, who will come. I'm going to send someone, as I put my spirit on him, will do what is needed. And to be like true Israel and to save Israel, but also to continue my plans of salvation for the world. So Jesus turns up. We read about him in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The stories, the accounts of Jesus, what he did. We've been looking at the question, who is Jesus over the last number of weeks as we've journeyed towards Easter. And so today, as we read the resurrection account of Jesus, we say, well, who is Jesus? Well, he's this death-defying, resurrected person. Should we call him king, though? Is it right to say Jesus is a king? Wasn't he just a prophet or a teacher? What does it mean for Jesus to be king? A little bit like talking to you about King Charles. There's some similarities Even with King David and how he set things up, we're not very used to having kings ruling us. It's a bit hard to get our heads around. So I just want to share with you, what does it mean for Jesus to be king? What does it mean for Jesus to be king today for us? One of the first things around the resurrection is that we remember it not like we're just remembering an old historical event that happened, even though it is an old historical event that happened. It's not like it was like we're remembering great Aunt Agatha and we haven't, oh, God bless her, because she's died. The thing is, Jesus is alive. And so that makes it profoundly different for us as a community of people, as a community of faith, that Jesus is alive means he's still with us now. (laughs) We're not saying he just died and, oh, that was it. He's actually alive. He's with us by his spirit. He's here. He animates, he's part of the church, the body of Christ is alive because Jesus is alive. So here's some things that kings do. The first thing is they rule a kingdom. And Jesus has a kingdom. In fact, he went around preaching it, saying the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and come near to the kingdom of God. This idea of don't go your own way, come back to God. Now, Israel was thinking about restoring Israel itself, but as Dave said, introducing our global partners... Actually, the kingdom of heaven now, as King Jesus reigns, not just in Israel, but the whole world. He is a global king for the whole world. It says, John, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That there's something that now the purposes of God are being realized in Jesus, King Jesus, not just to save Israel, but through Israel, actually to proclaim to the world salvation for everyone. And so the first thing is a kingdom that Jesus brings is the kingdom of God that he started, he established in his life. And then through his death, the kingdom is now happening. We often talk about the kingdom here, this idea of the presence, the reality of heaven, of God's rule and reign showing itself here. It's in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done today here on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is a new king with a kingdom that he wants to see happen. But he's also Lord. Uh, In Acts 2, uh, Peter is giving a famous preach, the first ever preach of the church to people as the Holy Spirit had been fallen. And he said at the end of it, actually this Jesus 
of Nazareth, who you've crucified, is not only Messiah, but Lord as well. Messiah and Lord. He's making a claim. This isn't just for the people of Israel. He's actually Lord of all. He's king, and he, he reigns. Jesus said this to his disciples in John 13. He'd been washing their feet. This was on the night before he was killed. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Jesus as Lord doesn't lord it over us, but serves. The king who's ruling the world, the king Jesus, is actually a king who serves us. A king that stoops down to serve. A king today that serves us. I don't know if you feel Jesus, your king, serving you. But maybe you should let him. Because that's what he does. So God has a kingdom. Jesus the king has a kingdom. And he's lord of that kingdom. But every kingdom needs people. And so Jesus leads us, the people of God. Now, Israel had to choose. When Jesus went round preaching and teaching, he was always asking people, giving people choices, questions. What are you going to do and who are you going to choose? A new people were gathering around who Jesus was. A new community of believers believing that Jesus was the Messiah, the chosen one sent by God. And so it was that many people were confused on that question. We still ask that today. Who do you say Jesus is? But for the people of Israel, if they weren't able to accept Jesus, then actually they were receiving a judgment because God was judging Israel through Jesus. That's why it seems sometimes really harsh, the things that Jesus says, especially to the religious Pharisees and people. But they don't get it. So you, you don't get it. The, the people on the edges are now entering the kingdom and you, the people who should be leading God's people, are missing it. There's something new happening and it's happening around the life of Jesus. And so we see that carry on, the account that we just read, as the earliest disciples went to the tomb, and then word started spreading that Jesus was alive. That Jesus has started a new people of God's people, not just in Israel, but actually for the whole world, to be king of a new people. The risen Jesus is our king who we follow and leads us. I haven't got time to unpack it, but a big part of the Easter story is References the Exodus in the Old Testament of Moses, a freedom being led forward, led out of slavery into a promised land, a new way of being, a new people. And that's what Jesus was doing through his resurrection. But Jesus leads us as a king in a very clear way. He says, I am the good shepherd. Again, in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy in Ezekiel saying, actually, the shepherds of Israel have failed, but God would be sending someone like a shepherd. God himself would shepherd his people. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus as a king is a shepherd king, one to lead and to guide. He said, those who hear my voice will follow me. Do you hear Jesus' voice? King Jesus as a shepherd, not to bully you around, not to take you places you don't want to go, but lead you beside quiet waters, to restore your soul, to care for you, to tend for you, to make sure you're fed and looked after and thriving and safe, binding you up when you're hurting, finding healing when you need it. Are you letting Jesus do that to you? Because King Jesus 
is the shepherd who leads us. Like all good kings, there's always baddies. There's enemies to fight. And that's the same for Jesus. We see this in the cross when Jesus died is the ultimate victory of God. Bizarre though it seems that Jesus ended up willingly going to the cross. This is what we celebrate on Good Friday, the victory of God. Actually, the victory is Jesus on the cross dying, being put to death to the powers of darkness and sin and death. The resurrection, as we read that Jesus' life vindicates Jesus, it says, actually, it's true. Jesus did what he said he would do. The powers of sin and death and darkness have been destroyed. They have been broken. Actually, Jesus has fought them and won. Now, we recognize that sin, death and darkness is still very apparent to us in this world. We still live in that, but we do know that Jesus has defeated it. Just where King David went around doing battles, fighting Philistines, killing giants, doing all that stuff. Unfortunately, the world still works in that way. The use of force and power and military might, some people still think is the way to find peace. We read in Revelation, in chapter 5, there's a, a vision that St. John is having in the sort of heavenly realm. It's you know, sort of a crazy picture, but there's a scroll, there's a piece of paper that needs to be opened. And it says this, one of the elders said to John, don't weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed, that's Jesus. He's able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. But then I, a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and elders. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. God overcame the world not through a show of force but through the suffering and death of Jesus. That's a quote from theologian Richard Hayes. God's way of fighting battles is through self-sacrificial love. So yeah, he fights still. He fights today our battles. And we're called to fight with him. The things that he fights against, we fight. But also this, he fights your battles. The battles that you have are his. It's not that he leaves you to get on with your battles and he's waiting impatiently for you to get on with it. But what are your battles? Because Jesus fights them. Maybe not in the way you were hoping. <laughs> Maybe not with power and might, but with self-sacrificial love and giving of himself. Jesus is our, our great king who fights for us and with us. What else does Jesus do? Jesus judges wisely. A king has to judge. Jesus, when he came, said, I, I've not come to do away with the law, the written commandments that we must live by. But actually, I've come to fulfill it, uphold it. Jesus has come and will one day judge the living and the dead. And he judges you. He judges each one of us. You know what? He finds you guilty. Sorry about that. As a judge, he judges with forgiveness and mercy and grace. Yes, he does judge. 
We see that in the cross, dealing with sin and the effects of sin he takes seriously. But Jesus judges us. And so actually one day when we stand before Jesus, when there is the resurrection, we can say, I'm with him. And Jesus says, He's with, you're with me. You're loved, you're forgiven. Actually, Jesus is a just judge. Some people are really afraid of that, being judged. And rightly so. But actually being judged by King Jesus is to find in the place of our deepest sin, our deepest pain, and our deepest regrets, we find the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of God over our lives. Have you found that in your life? King Jesus, the judge who sees you, knows you, and loves you. Jesus establishes a throne, a place to rule and reign from. Reigning now forever, no more coronations. We won't have to go through it again and again and again. Jesus is the eternal king, reigning forever and ever. Never to be deposed or taken away. He sits at the right hand of the Father now. King Jesus is reigning. And he has all power and authority have been given to him. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has all power and authority. They're no longer in the realm of the powers of darkness, but they belong to Jesus, and he has poured that out on us, the church. And Jesus establishes a place to know him, a dwelling place with God, no longer a temple in Israel, in Jerusalem but in Jesus himself, the very place where heaven and earth meet. He says, whenever two or three or more of you gather in my name, my spirit is here with you. That's why the church is alive, because Jesus is alive. He is part of his body, the people. Whenever we gather, Jesus is with us because he is alive by his spirit and we are his people. We bear Jesus in us, the spirit of God alive with us. That's for all the wonderful reasons of being a Christian on your own, which you have to do most of the time. We can never get away from gathering together. Why? Because we are gathered people. And as we gather, the presence of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the activity of Jesus is manifest. It happens. Stuff happens when we gather together. Maybe you need to gather with God's people more. (laughs) Maybe you need more of that in your life. Actually, as King Charles gets anointed for his task, actually Jesus anoints us. He pours out his spirit. King Jesus gives again and again of his spirit to say, let me help you. The spirit of God I pour out upon you. That's the promise that we see as we head towards Pentecost, that Jesus says, wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. There's something that Jesus as king, not being anointed him, but he anoints us as his people. We're an anointed people. Do you feel that you're an anointed person? Do you walk in the power and anointing of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you should do if you're walking with King Jesus. If you're just thinking Jesus is a, you know, a good guy and I like him, that's fine, but that's not King Jesus. King Jesus anoints his people. We're an anointed people that walk with him. King Jesus makes promises and he is faithful to them. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. We read that at the end of the gospel accounts. He says, I'm always with you to the very ends of the age. By my spirit, I'm alive and I'm with you. Wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever you go through, I am with you. Do we know that? King Jesus, you're not the God who's 
distant and away. You are the God who is with me, never to leave me or forsake me. King Jesus, you will return to judge the world, to put right what needs to be put right. You are the judge that will do that. And we know that you will return to this world that you so love. And we know also that you invite us to take a place in the new heaven and new earth, the new creation that will happen at the end of time. You invite us to that as we accept who you are, Jesus. That's the only thing we have to do is accept who Jesus is, the risen Lord, the resurrected one, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who holds all things in his hands. That's who we worship as King Jesus. So are you on the front foot with God? Do you feel actually familiar? Even singing these songs, coming to church, maybe it all feels familiar to you. It shouldn't be like that, although it can often be. We want to be on the front foot, this sense there's a, a dynamic reality of life with Jesus because he is our king that we're walking in, that we're hearing him, that we're aware of what he's saying to us, where he's leading us, where he's guiding us, where he's challenging us, where he's fighting for us, where he's forgiving us, where he cares for us, where he feeds us, where he tends to us, where he heals us. Is Jesus doing that for you? Because that's what Jesus does. King Jesus, that's how he works. Or maybe you're following the wrong Jesus and your Jesus isn't doing that. Maybe it's just a nice guy kind of Jesus. But that isn't King Jesus. King Jesus wants to move in our lives in a way that is real and tangible that we can't deny that Jesus is real. Are you living like Jesus is still dead? Sometimes it's easier to have a dead Jesus than a live one. An alive Jesus makes demands Lords are quite lordy sometimes, even if they are serving. They can say yes, but they can also say no. Is Jesus alive to you? King Jesus risen and alive and reigning and ruling. Maybe for you tonight, you're, you're here and, and you're just kind of curious about Jesus. And thank you for being with us this evening and just celebrating and being with us as we celebrate a really special day for us in our, in our calendar. Who is this, Jesus? Maybe it is a, a thing for you to discover. And as we said, the Alpha course is something we love to do to help people on a journey of discovering who Jesus is. And Jesus is worth discovering. Jesus isn't about coming to church on a Sunday and doing stuff to make you feel better. King Jesus is about living in a relationship with a king who has a plan and a heart for the world, has a purpose on your life and our lives, and wants to pour out his spirit abundantly on us again and again and again to live more fully and more deeply than you believe. I'm not there yet, but I'm in that. Are you? Maybe for some of you tonight, you're just being reminded. Oh, yeah, I remember this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be reminded who Jesus is, King Jesus. Yeah, I love that, Jesus. But maybe for you, it's more than being reminded. You need reconnecting. Yeah, I have heard all this stuff. But I'm disconnected from what this is, for who this is. Actually, Jesus, I don't want to live with you that you're sort of somewhere up there and I'm somewhere down here. But actually, I want to reconnect with you, Jesus, to, to know you as my king. To walk around saying, yeah, it's not an earthly king. Maybe for you, you've been really um, unimpressed by those in power, whether politically or those in the heads of organisations or our, our institutions. 
that seem to be failing in all sorts of different ways. Maybe your faith is low. Mine is. But actually, my faith isn't low in Jesus. I can follow King Jesus because he is who he says he is. He's true, trustworthy. He brings life and leads me into life, leads us into life. King Jesus is looking for us to be witnesses to who he is to live out a kingdom life that is so noticeable and apparent that if you're living out a kingdom life, there must be a king. And so that's what, that's what we want to be doing in this day and age. Say, actually, King Jesus, you're alive. You're real, it's true. Jesus is resurrected, living and reigning and ruling. But more than that, he wants to be on the inside caring and walking and tending and challenging and encouraging and calling out. Is that your King Jesus? Is, is that who he is to you? So I'm just going to take a moment to pray before I invite the worship team back up. And we're just going to take a chance to respond in worship to Jesus, but also an opportunity for prayer if you would love to have some prayer this evening. It might simply be we just want to bless the work of God's Spirit, praying for that anointing of God to rest on you and fill you again. It might be that you're just, okay, I do want to find out more. What can I do? We have discovery packs, just information about who Jesus is, and we'd love to share them with you and invite you to that. So what I'm going to do, um, I just want to take a moment to pray. And so I'm just going to just offer a moment of silence just where we're sitting here. And I just want to help you just as I've talked at you. We're just going to take a pause I'm going to pray. Let's just pause. King Jesus, we welcome you here in this place, the resurrected King, alive, reigning and ruling. And Jesus, as your people, we want to say again, yes to you, King. We want to say, God, we're sorry where we've not acted like you're our King. Instead, we've acted like you're our convenience, that we use you when we need you. And then when you're not needed, We ignore you. God, draw our attention back to you now, we pray. King Jesus, we want to be faithful to you, to walk with you and to proclaim you as king in our lives, not just in our thoughts, not just in our words, but in our actions as well that show that we're living for a king, a risen king, in a kingdom that is eternal and true. So we ask, King Jesus, would you anoint us again as your people on this day as we look to you, Jesus, resurrected one. Pour out your spirit on us, we pray. We say, come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Jesus.
So, Lord, we thank you that you're here, Jesus. Thank you that you're with us in this room and praying that God is with you as you're listening to us or tuning in with us as well. We're going to go into a time to respond to Jesus. And this is for you to bring to God what it is. It might be you need to say, God, I'm sorry where these things have been in the way for me, where you haven't been my king. And actually today, on Easter Sunday, as I say, Jesus, you're alive and you're real. Forgive me, God. Renew me and establish me again. So um, I'm going to invite you, if you're able to, to stand. And I'm going to let the, the worship team just lead us in some worship of Jesus. And that's going to be a bit of our ministry way of saying yes to Jesus, the risen King. So why don't you stand with me now and we're going to worship together.